Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. So this is a picture of something. Should I say what it's going to be? Could be exciting. You can imagine what it might be. What do you think it's going to be? What? A blank screen. Why would I show you a blank screen? Well, the picture that I wanted to show you is of the Shema, as it is written in the Torah. It is from Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Uh, Let's read the top line together, if you can. Here we go. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Very good. Do you notice anything unusual about this? The Dalid, and there's another letter. Ayin, very good. So we have some, uh, some Hebrew uh, readers in here. I guess, you've, uh, Eric, you've been doing a good job with your, with your Hebrew class. <laughs> he's, uh, he's very humble. So the Ayin and the Dalid are a little bit larger, right? Um, so I wonder if those two letters form a word. I wonder if the scribes of the Torah dropped a hint into it as to a way to interpret this central Jewish prayer. Well, more on that story in the middle of this sermon. Stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. The Shema, which traditionally includes the Ve'ahavta, you know, the and you shall love the Lord your God part, is said twice a day by religious Jews. Many Jews who were persecuted and killed for their faith and Jewish identity chose the Shema as their final words. A famous story about Rabbi Akiva, who died for his faith, is found in Berachot 61b. This is what it says. The Gemara relates, when they took Rabbi Akiva out to be executed, it was time for the recitation of Shema, and they were raking his flesh with iron combs and he was reciting the Shema, thereby accepting upon himself the yoke of heaven. His students said to him, our teacher, even now as you suffer, you recite the Shema. He said to them, all my days I have been troubled by the verse, with all your soul, meaning even if God takes your soul. I said to myself, when will the opportunity be afforded me to fulfill this verse? Now, that it has been afforded me, shall I not fulfill it? He prolonged the uttering of the word one. In Hebrew, that is which word? Echad, yes. Until his soul left his body as he uttered the final word, Echad, one. A voice descended from heaven and said, happy are you, Rabbi Akiva, that your soul left your body as you uttered Echad. Many Jews in Nazi concentration camps went to their deaths reciting the Shema, acknowledging that their very identity as Jews that caused them to be persecuted, and yet 
they clung to the Torah, to the most central idea of the oneness of God and to loving God with all of their nefesh, their life, their soul. And this brings us to the clue that we saw earlier with the, what two letters was it? Ayin and Dalid. Very good. You have a good memory. All right. In the Shema. This is what Rabbi Mark Kinzer writes. Quote, the unusual calligraphy in the traditional way of writing Deuteronomy 6.4 points to this interpretation of the Shema. In Torah scrolls, the third consonant of the first word, Shema, Ayin, and the third consonant of the last word, Echad, Dalit, are written in an enlarged script so that one might mentally put the two letters together to form the word aid, which means witness. The Greek word for witness is martyr. Israel bears witness to God through living out the Shema, even to the point sometimes of shedding its blood, unquote. And this brings us to this week's Torah portion, Amor, in the middle of Leviticus. Here we find holy set-apart times, including Shabbat, which would, and then uh, what would eventually become Rosh Hashanah is described, and Yom Kippur, and the pilgrimage festivals of Passover, Sukkot, and Shavuot, that's right, with instructions on how to count up to Shavuot after Passover, which we are currently doing by counting the Omer, right? These are all days of solemn assembly and rest. These are holy times. Also, we find Torah about the holiness and calling of the Kohanim, which is who? The priests, that's right, because they represented the rest of Israel to God and they represented God to the rest of Israel. There was a higher standard for them of holiness, purity, and avoiding death, which we saw in our, uh, in our Torah reading, um, beautifully done by Kathy this morning, right? They were not to approach a dead body. There were limits on who they could marry. They could not have any physical de defects, and they could not be in an unclean state, such as contact with blood or other life force, uh, and enter into the holy space. Using similar language, the offerings themselves were supposed to be without defect. In other words, if you rolled up with a blind, diseased, you know, infected, three-legged lamb, you know, that was, that was no good, okay? Don't do that, please. The holiness and completeness of the offerings is laid out here. So why a blameless offering and a blameless mediator of that offering, a blameless priest? Because the Torah is asking us, I believe, to make a connection between the two. Israel is a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, as are the followers of Yeshua, all of us. We are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So what were the priests really offering up? I believe that in a sense, they were offering up themselves. Psalm 40, verses 7 through 9, puts it like this. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, here I am, hineni, I have come. In the scroll of a book it is written about me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Yes, your Torah is within my being. In other words, there's a comparison here. The sacrifice is nothing without wholehearted devotion. Amen? 
The key part of this week's Parsha, I believe, is this from Leviticus 22, verses 31 to 33. Let's read it together. You are to keep my mitzvot commandments and obey them. I am Adonai. You are not to profane my holy name. On the contrary, I am to be regarded as holy among the people of Israel. I am Adonai who makes you holy, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am Adonai. Isn't that beautiful? It's really nice. The opposite of profaning the name of God, which is saying don't do that, would be what? Would be sanctifying the name of God. Kadush Hashem, which is another way to express giving your life to God. Most of us are not called to literally die as martyrs, but we are called to be witnesses, which is the same Greek root, martyr, right? We are called to give our lives over to God, to live for him alone. Otherwise, what we're doing is we are profaning the name of Hashem. Being an aid, an olive, uh, an ayin dalid, right? A witness or a martyr means living our lives for him. It means holy speech and holy action. My life is not my own. Time to time, we need to slow down and examine our priorities. Are we giving Hashem our best offering? Are we giving him the three-legged diseased lamb? Are we loving God with all of our nefesh? Are we representing him with holy speech? Let's think for a moment the things we said this week, things we said to our family members, our spouses, to our friends, things we wrote online perhaps, things we said to ourselves, right? Our self-talk. What do we say about those on the other side of the political spectrum? What do we say about folks that bothered us or annoyed us? Remember, with words, Hashem created the universe. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Do you know the general blessing for food? Of course, you can say the motzi, hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz, who brings forth bread from the earth. But what if you're, I don't know, keto or paleo or gluten-free or you only eat rocks and twigs like a friend of ours? right? There's a more general prayer uh, for any food that goes like this. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, shehakol bidvaro, who created everything through his word. Even in traditional Judaism, they understand that all of creation, everything that is, came through the word of God. And as the prologue to John's gospel says, in the beginning was the word the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him and apart from him, nothing was made that has come into being. So we know that words are powerful because Yeshua, the word is powerful. Amen. He's the word made flesh through whom everything was made. And we are given mouths and we are made in his image to reflect what he does. God proclaims in this Parsha that he will be made holy among the children of Israel. And that includes the commonwealth of Israel, Gentiles and Messiah. It includes all of us here. He wants to be holy 
among us, his people. I believe that our speech is one of the best ways that we can sanctify God's name, that we can be a witness. If we are to witness to the goodness of God, the love of God, the story of God's love, then we need to commit to being that witness, right? Self-giving love that Messiah Yeshua showed himself. This week's new covenant portion in Luke reminds us of the challenging words of Yeshua himself, and we just read it. Do you remember that? Whoever does not carry his own execution stake and follow me cannot be my disciple. Those are challenging words, right? Our life is not our own. We belong to him. We represent him. We carry his name, his reputation with us wherever we go. Whenever we recite the Shema and the Ve'ahavta that is included in the Shema, the, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, we are sanctifying the name. We are proclaiming Yeshua as the one who perfectly submits to the Father's will, who gave his own life literally as a witness. He said, I am a witness for my own life, right? He is a martyr to the love of God. So the question is, how are we spending our time if we belong to God? How are we spending our resources, our money, our energy? What causes are we devoted to? Is it time for a spiritual tune-up? Is it time for us to pay attention a little bit? You know, this week I was in a, a staff meeting and uh, with Maggie present, and she asked me for the uh, email of uh, a rabbi in, in the union. He's the surfing rabbi, Rabbi Barney. So uh, I sent uh, her his uh, contact info so she could get in touch with him later. And then uh, she sent me a message and she said, I can't, I can't find the, his contact info for Rabbi Barney. So I checked, I was like, I thought I sent it. So I checked my email and I had sent Rabbi Barney an email that said Rabbi Barney Kasdan was the, was the subject. <laughs> and in the, in the message part was his own number. I'd send him, could you imagine getting an email like that? But that means, what does that mean? That means I was distracted, right? I wasn't really paying attention. So maybe it's time for us, all of us, to pay more attention, right? Because we belong to him. Amen. Don't be like me. This year, 5781, we have had the theme of relational gospeling, and we have mentioned 1 Peter 3.15. Are we familiar with this? Let's read it together. And the first part is particularly uh, uh, poignant this, this morning, right? Instead, sanctify, right? Make holy. Let's do it again. Instead, sanctify Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, yet with humility and reverence. Sanctifying Messiah, making Messiah holy, representing the Lord, Kedush Hashem, is a huge part of relational gospeling. Our first witness, I think, is our speech, our behavior, our character. Our lives should be poured out in a sanctifying process each day. Every day we take up our cross. Every day we offer ourselves back as we are conformed to his image over time. It's a process, you know, it takes time. What is it that motivates this challenging and high calling. The only thing that can motivate us is love. 
God's love for us and our love for him. It's ve'ahavta, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And we love him because he first loved us. I'm not talking about beating ourselves up. I'm not talking about puffing ourselves up. I'm talking about giving ourselves up. Self-giving love that says, I want to grow in holiness. I want my speech to reflect God's love. I want my actions to reflect God's love. I want my witness, my aid to reflect God's love. You may have heard the phrase or the song, can I get a witness, right? Raise your hand if you've heard that. Can I get a witness? In a typical Jewish fashion, let me answer that question with another question. Can I be a witness? Let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, we thank you for the example of Yeshua, who out of self-giving love gave his life, his very life, uh, back to you as an example of fulfilling the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Thank you that he fulfilled the Shema and the Ve'ahavta in such a way that empowers us to be conformed to that image. Help us to uh, think about the words that we say and uh, that your your our witness of your goodness would go forth and encourage your people. It would go forth to the children of Israel and to all nations and that you would start with us, Lord. Help us to grow in our love for you, Lord, and grow in our, our self-giving devotion, um, our Kedush Hashem, because we belong to you. We were bought with a price on the tree. And we thank you that we are yours. We are your children. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.